When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Space News Pod, Space Cadets. My name is Will. And remember, hey, remember when NASA went to the moon? Seems like a lifetime ago, right? Well, they have a bunch of lunar samples still. And really soon, they're going to crack open three containers of lunar samples uh, because they have new technology that they're going to use to examine these things. And astronauts brought a lot, a lot of samples back to Earth. From 1969 to 1972, they collected 842 pounds worth of lunar rocks, core samples, pebbles, sand, and dust. And 50 years later, we're going to take a look at some of them. Jessica Barnes, who's an astronomer who's soon to join the University of Arizona's Lunar and Planetary Lab, said the technology available in the 60s and 70s weren't able to do what we can do now. Now we can go to a mineral and we can look at the very fine details down to almost the width of a human hair. And if you weren't aware, well, this year marks the 50th anniversary of the Apollo 11 landing and American space priorities recently, well, they shifted back to a return to the moon. So is this sort of like a PR stunt? Nah, they just want to do some cool science. And they've selected nine teams to study the moon rocks in detail. Charles Shearer, who's a scientist at the University of New Mexico, said, We are completing the Apollo mission adventure after 50 years using new types of measurements and new views of our moon. Six of the nine teams will look at one of the three remaining lunar samples from Apollo missions 15, 16, and 17, which have never been exposed to the Earth's atmosphere. And the particular sample these teams will study came to Earth vacuum sealed on the moon by the Apollo 17 astronauts Harrison Schmidt and Gene Cernan in 1972. In the Apollo 17 samples, well, they're 800 grams, which are about 1.8 pounds of material, and they're encased in a dive tube that was pounded into the lunar regolith to collect a core of material. And that core preserves not just the rocks themselves, but also the stratigraphy from below the surface. So when scientists get it into the lab, Oh, they study the rock layers exactly as they existed on the moon back then, and the core has been carefully stored at NASA's Johnson Space Center in Houston, Texas, since 72. And there will be other teams involved as well. They'll be studying samples that have been specially curated from Apollo 17, and they've been frozen on Earth in samples from Apollo 15, which have been stored in helium since 1971. So like I said before, there are nine teams and NASA's Ames Research Center will complete an experiment started 50 years ago by studying the frozen lunar samples from Apollo 17 to see how volatiles like water are stored in the radiation environment on the lunar surface, which is not protected by an atmosphere like we have here on Earth. And NASA Ames, uh, they'll study the vacuum sealed sample to study space weathering 
or how exposure to the space environment affects the moon's surface. NASA Goddard will study the vacuum-sealed sample to investigate the geologic history of the Apollo 17 site, and they'll specifically be looking at the abundance of noble gases in the sample, which can tell them about the sample's age. The University of Arizona will study how curation affects the amount of hydrogen-bearing minerals in lunar soil, which will help us better understand how water is locked in minerals on the moon's surface. The University of California, Berkeley, well, they'll study how micrometeorite and meteorite impacts may have affected the geology of the lunar surface. The Naval Research Laboratory will look at the frozen samples and the samples stored in helium, study how airless bodies are affected by exposure to the space environment, and the University of New Mexico will look at the vacuum-sealed sample to study the geologic history of the Apollo 17 site. They'll be studying samples from a region that had been cold enough for water to freeze, called a cold trap. And this will be the first time a sample from one of these cold traps will be examined in a lab. Mount Holyoke, the Planetary Science Institute, will look at both the vacuum sealed samples and the samples stored in helium to study volcanic activity on the moon. And they'll specifically look at tiny glass beads that form rapidly during an ancient lunar eruption. Now I'm going to take a couple seconds here to go pay some bills, have a pause for the cause, so stick with me. There's going to be some more lunar news right after this. So all of these moon samples, well, they can't just be cracked open. You can't just like jimmy it with a butter knife or something like that. They can't be opened right away. And the teams will work together with the curation staff at NASA Johnson to determine the best way to open the sample to avoid contamination and maximize the science that will be gained from these uh, sample sizes. And since they're doing these samples now, well, they're preparing for the next moon missions. We're taking people back to the moon and we need to get some more samples. We need to get some more data for when humans land back on the moon. And Clive Neal, who's a scientist at the University of Notre Dame, who will be working on this project, said that preparing the future missions to the moon makes it important to open the lunar samples now. He said, we did have the technology 10 years ago, but we didn't have the drive. Now we're going back to the moon and we need to use lunar resources in order to do it sustainably. And back in 2008, scientists discovered that the moon had water on it. And that water can be used for astronauts to drink. It can be used as fuel and it can also be split. So the H2O, well, they can get the oxygen out of it to breathe and the liquid hydrogen, they can refuel their fuel tanks. Therefore, they can make a more sustainable lunar outpost for the future. And even though scientists have a, an idea of how much water is on the moon, they don't know exactly how much water is in the soil. So these particular projects, they'll help NASA and other scientists and engineers figure out ways to get what we need from the lunar surface. And just recently, NASA has shifted its priorities uh, with a little budget bump, $600 million for an outpost above the moon and the beginning of development for landers to take astronauts back to the lunar surface. And the NASA budget for 2020, it's up to $21 billion for the fiscal year, which starts October 1st. And that's $1 billion more than the administration proposed for the fiscal year, but $500 million less than the $21.5 billion that Congress ultimately decided. And in an address at Kennedy Space Center, in Florida, NASA's administrator repeatedly described the budget as strong and said, we have strong bipartisan support in both chambers of Congress. So now they're going to have all this money coming in, right? So NASA's going to start working on this thing called the Gateway. 
which is an outpost orbiting the moon. Think of it as the ISS, but around the moon. It's going to be much smaller than the ISS. Its spacecraft would ferry astronauts between the gateway and the lunar surface. And by 2028, uh, they say the astronauts could return nearly 60 years after NASA's first moon landings. And the gateway is going to be a collaboration between various space agencies like the ISS. Canada will be supporting the project with a robotic arm. But it's not going to be big space agencies. It's going to be smaller companies. Um, So there's $363 million for the development of landers for cargo and eventually astronauts. And NASA asked for industry input on the landers. The budget proposal didn't lay out details of how the competition would be run. And NASA budget officials project spending to be about $2.3 billion in 2023. So they're going to get a bump up if this uh, continues the way that it should. And also, if these companies make these landers and make everything uh, possible for astronauts to go back to the moon, while well, these studies that they're going to be doing on these um, on the moon regolith is going to be super important for these astronauts to stay healthy and stay alive up there on the moon outpost. Hey, I just want to say thank you to everybody who's listening. Thank you for taking the time out of your day to listen to the podcast. I really do appreciate it. If you'd like to monetarily support the podcast, you can go to patreon.com slash space news pod. And I'm starting a new segment, which is all about the kids. So if you want to send a question from your kid or anybody's kid to me, uh, go to Twitter, twitter.com slash space news pod and ask a question. And I'll make sure to do an episode about every space question that I get so we can enlighten and get little kids pumped about space because future generations are going to go to Mars. And we want them to be excited about things like that. Science, engineering, technology, the STEM stuff, maths, too. So thanks, everybody. I appreciate your time. This has been the Space News Pod. My name is Will, and I will see you soon. 